This is Jason Kozlet, and you are listening to the Surely, Surely, Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast special edition, Five Minutes of Fire. We are here talking about the lyrics of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. We're covering only five minutes at a time, which is about the length of the song, so it works out kind of nicely. So please join us as we dive into some new lyrics today. All right, guys, so here are the topics that we're going to be covering today. California baseball. Stark weather homicide. Children of thalidomide. All right, Dave, tell me about California baseball. Okay, so before the 1950s, Major League Baseball was just in the eastern part of the country. There were no professional teams west of St. Louis. Several cities had two teams. New York had three. They had the Giants. They had the Yankees. They had the Dodgers. But the Dodgers stadium, Ebbets Field, was deteriorating. People had moved to the suburbs, and they didn't want to travel back into Brooklyn to watch night games. And so he was trying to get a new stadium built in Brooklyn. But public building and development czar named Robert Moses was preventing him from doing that. Guessing there was a little money that wasn't being exchanged the way Mr. Moses wanted it to be exchanged. <laughs> and so in an effort to bring Major League Baseball to the West, a Chamber of Commerce member from Los Angeles named Rosalind Wyman was talking to multiple clubs to see if they would move out to California. So Wyman decided to meet with the owner of the Washington Centers named Calvin Griffith at the 1956 World Series. Well, Walter O'Malley, owner of the Dodgers at the time, who wasn't able to get a location for his new stadium, heard that she was meeting with him. And so he said, hey, how about you talk to me? And he said it was really important to him that he have a new stadium. And Wyman, without any talking to anybody, said, sure, no problem. We can get that done. <laughs> he was just going to use this as a negotiation tactic to get what he wanted in Brooklyn. But Robert Moses wouldn't bend. And so finally he realized the only way I'm going to get a new stadium is if I move out to L.A. And so... That is what they did. It was very successful for them. They, the very next year, won the 1959 World Series. And he had a poor little buddy named Horace Stoneham who owned the New York Giants, a team that was probably third in the lineup as far as New York teams were concerned, right. who was suffering the same problem. Had a dilapidated field. Nobody was coming to the games. So Walter O'Malley met the governor of San Francisco and said, hey, you know what? I got a buddy who I think you should talk to. And then a short time after that, the Giants moved from New York to San Francisco. California baseball. Love it. Jason, what can you tell me about Starkweather Homicide? All right. So Charles Starkweather was an American spree killer who murdered 11 people in Nebraska and Wyoming between, get this, November of 1957 and January of 1958. Very short amount of time. He was 19 years old when he was doing this, by the way. He was accompanied by his girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, who was 14 years old oh at the time. He was known initially to be bullied in high school and elementary school before he actually said, forget this, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be the bully now. He was known for walking around town, being very angry, very bitter, very tough. If you were kind of a big shot football player, whatever, and you had it going good, he'd just beat you up just because. His first murder occurred on November the 30th, 1957, when he killed a gas station attendant for almost no reason. January 21st, 1958, he showed up at the Fugates' home and was told to leave by her mother and stepfather. So he then killed them. Oh. 
and her two-year-old sister. From there, he went on an interstate killing spree with Carol Ann Fugate. Now then, was she kidnapped? Did she go voluntarily? Was she part of the killing spree? He was captured in a high-speed chase January 29, 1958. He was executed on June 25, 1959. Carol Ann Fugate was actually sentenced to life in prison. These two are mentioned or referenced in Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska, True Romance, Natural Born Killers, and I would say even Pulp Fiction. Wow. During that high-speed chase, Charles Starkweather was shot, and he thought he was going to bleed to death, and that's why he stopped. And the officer on duty said, that's the kind of yellow son of a bitch that he is. <laughs> D, tell me about children of thalidomide. Okay. Jason, have you ever been a pregnant woman before? Not yet. <laughs> I'm hopeful, though. Well, as it turns out, when you're pregnant, you have nausea that they call morning sickness, and you have trouble sleeping. Yeah. Well, the company that made thalidomide said, hey, we've got the solution for you pregnant women. We have this new drug called thalidomide that helps you with your morning sickness and helps you be able to sleep. Unfortunately, this company did not adequately test the drug before they released it to the masses. And then between 1957 and 1962, children of the women who took thalidomide during pregnancy were born with severe deformities, including only stubs for arms. Some people referred to them as the flipper babies. Because of this tragedy, the drug was taken off the market in 1962. Of the 10,000 children born with birth defects, only half of them lived beyond childhood. Okay, guys, that does it for today's episode. Join us next time for 5 Minutes of Fire. 